morning. How are you? I like that. How, how are you really? Praise God. It's good to see you all. It's good to see you all sitting close together. We are one big, happy family. If you weren't happy when you walked in, you'll leave happy. That's a promise from the throne. If we go into his presence, he can bring joy into your life. And so I know that we got a chance to be in his presence today. Well, we are starting a 21-day, starting today, prayer and fasting period. Why are we doing this? Um, It's not for dietary reasons. Um, I don't know that that's the best diet you could go on. Uh, and, and I will preface that if you, if you want to commit to this 21 days of prayer and fasting, I'm not going to tell you you have to fast food. Some will, and, and some will really feel that that's what the Holy Spirit wants them to do. Um, but it might be fasting uh, media, social media. It might be fasting caffeine. Um, I haven't felt the Holy Spirit tell me that. Uh, but, uh, but there might be something in your life that you say, you know what, and, and as I said this last week, again, and you'll hear more in fasting, we're heading into this new series, and we'll talk about fasting one of these weeks, but fasting doesn't move God. God is perfect in all his ways, in, in all his dealings, in all that he does, so that's not why we fast. We fast because we want to move into his will, and so fasting moves us, and so that's why we're heading into this period of time. Um, so we'll do this for 21 days. This Tuesday uh, is the third Tuesday of the month. We will be doing what we call third Tuesday prayer, where we'll come together for an hour and contend. Uh, what does that mean to contend? Well, do you know what a contender is? Somebody that goes into a battle and fights for something. Well, we're going to battle and we're fighting. And we're contending for what? Souls to be saved. Uh, we as a, as a church, we're believing and, and I said this number last week for 500, what, 500 souls saved and come to know Christ as their personal Savior, where their lives are changed. So, so how do we go about doing that? Well, it starts with contending and praying and fasting. So um, if you want to be a part of that, I really encourage you. Get a prayer guide. Um, that'll help you. We have a limited number, so if you're not going to use it, that's okay. There's no guilt or shame in that, and we won't even point at you very much. But, um, but get a prayer guide, that'll help you. So this series is the power of routine. Having a routine is a good thing. Um, I, I see, because I'm the social media stalker, and then I'm very calculated about what I actually put on social media, but I like to stalk you all on social media. And I know a lot of you have developed healthy routines, and are, or it's a new year, have talked about developing healthy routines. I, uh, I try to set the standard really low and not have resolutions because then I don't have to worry about failing in my resolutions. But, but we like our life when there's a routine because we feel better. But I want to talk about the power of routine not in our physical life or in just our social life, but in our spiritual life as well because I honestly believe the power of that routine will change the rest of it. We have um, apps now that help us with routine. I have an app that I would use to track every calorie that I would eat. 
And, uh, and when I dis- my wife will tell you, when I decide that I'm all in on something, it drives them crazy because I'm all in on it. And so I would track every little calorie that I would take in just so I could see what I was eating. And then I would track every bit of calories burned exercising. And so there's apps for that. Well, then there's this newest app in my life, because I'm not doing that one, obviously, right now. But this newest app, if you go to the next slide, this one tracks every, uh, every night that I sleep and tells me if I'm sleeping good or not. In fact, I, I was reading this, and it said I was doing a good job. It said you, you, your period, you're at 80%. So the consistency of your sleep times uh, day to day, Sunday, January 7th through the 13th, was estimated to be 80%. This result means your sleep times overlapped at the same time each day during your period approximately by 80%. So I'm going to bed about the same time. I'm waking up about the same time. So supposedly that's good. Why? It tells me it, it's good. I don't know if this is right or not, but the app said so. So it says, health research among particular populations found that maintaining a more regular rhythm, pattern, routine of sleep on a day-to-day basis is associated with better waking function, faster reaction time, better academic performance. I haven't seen that yet, but they say it's there. More positive mood and a better self-reported sleep quality. Go to sleep, stay asleep, and wake up at the same time each day to strive for a greater sleep rhythm. And all mothers and fathers of babies said amen. (laughs) Right? Well, routine can be a good thing. And today, I'm going to encourage you that there's some routines in our life, and we're going to talk about this over the next four weeks. I'm really going to have you and challenge you in these. It's been challenging for me. I got to be challenged first. And, uh, but I really believe that we as a church, last week I said we're in this time of preparation, ready, set, wait. We're in a time of preparation, believing and knowing. Not just the believing part is also knowing that the harvest is coming. And so in this time of preparation, what do we need? Well, we need to understand the power of routine in our lives. Um, today I want to talk about the Bible. So here's some Bibles. Uh, and this is the part that, I, that I'll come at you and say, you need to read your Bible. You do. It's important. Um, and the Bible is more than a keepsake. Now, I have some keepsakes here. These are actually my wife and I's Bibles, and I, I think there's others. Um, this one's not. This one sits over here all the time, and I don't know if you've ever read it, um, but it sits over there, and I don't know where it came from. It has a name in the front. I was going to ask some uh, local historians about it, but uh, uh, Dad... Um, but uh, if they knew where it came from. This was, uh, this was a Bible that I used more recently. This is the one I use all the time. Um, I like this one too, but they're more than keepsakes. This one here, uh, this Bible, it was one of those that had the fancy gold print on the front with my name. And it said, it used to say Douglas Zach, and it lost the D and the S and the Z and the C. And it happened in high school, and, and so I was called Oogla E.K. And, uh, and so this is my Oogla E.K. Bible. And when I open it up, it says, uh, to Douglas Paul Zach, which I might have been in trouble when they wrote this, by mother and father on May 29th, 1982. That's kind of, this is almost a relic. But it, it is kind of a keepsake. It says, and then, and then you go to the front, and it says, Holy Matrimony, Douglas Paul Zeck and Dina Lynn Vermazing were married on the 16th of June. Aww. 
1990, not 2000. But this Bible went with me to Norway on a mission trip. There's a lot of writing in it. Um, I don't use it a lot anymore because there's a lot of these and thuses and thous and yees. And, and, uh, and so, it's, so it's a little harder to read. So I like this one because this translation is the New Living Translation. It's a little easier. This one, uh, I don't know what you guys did on your 21st birthday, but for me, I got a Bible. Another keepsake. It says, Douglas P. Zach, on this first day of April, 1991. Now, get your tissue ready, because this is a note from my father. It says, son, we are proud of you and Dina. Take time to read God's word. It will make you wise and will increase your faith. By your father and mother on your 21st birthday. Psalms 119, 140 says, your word is very pure. pure. Therefore, your servant loves it. Oh, isn't that nice? So, Bibles can be a keepsake, but I'm going to tell you there's more to them than that. Bibles are more than a keepsake. I, I want you to, if you don't have a Bible, by all means, we need to know that because we will get you a Bible. You should not go through life without a Bible because that's not life. Because potentially without a Bible, it, you're living a life that could lead to death. Bible is more, more than a keepsake. Second Timothy is our text today. You can probably follow along on the screen with us, but Second Timothy uh, verse or chapter three, verse 14 says, "But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it." This is Paul talking to Timothy, and Timothy was kind of like his son in the Lord. Uh, Paul would, uh, uh, discipled him. When we talk about life groups and, and being discipled, Paul and Timothy had a close relationship where they grew in the Lord together. That's what life groups is about. It's about togetherness and growing in the Lord together. And, and Paul was the teacher. Timothy was the student. And Paul is writing this to him. Second Timothy 3.15 says, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, All scripture is breathed out by God, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The Bible is more than a keepsake. Why? Because it is here, we have it to equip us, to prepare us, to make us complete for what? Every good work. What we have learned is good. What you've learned to this point is good. Paul was encouraging Timothy in that. You've learned a lot. You all have learned a lot. Some of you have maybe been reading through the Bible every year for many, many, many years. But every time you do it, guess what? It's going to complete you even more. The Bible is, is a unique and awesome book. I'm not one that likes to even watch movies more than once. I, I grow tired quickly, and there's so many movies out there. Anyhow, I, I guess you could continue to watch movies. Oh, don't, don't watch movies. Um, but what I want to encourage you in is that every time you read God's word, it can be new and refreshing. Some of us here can testify to that. Haven't you read the Bible many times and gotten something new out of it each time you've read it? And, and that's, what, that's a word that is alive and can bring life. Paul was encouraging Timothy 
You've learned a lot, yes, but there is more to be learned in order to be complete. And that's an encouragement to us today as well. The Bible is more than a keepsake. Scripture has been given by God to lead people to faith and salvation. The Bible is alive. It's powerful. It can even lead people into salvation. I, yesterday we had men's prayer breakfast, and, uh, and Pastor Doug Sr., my father, had set, talked about the gospel having this life-giving message, the gospel itself, the good news of Christ dying on the cross and being resurrected again. That message in and of itself Talking about it can give life and bring life, even out of the, even if the person giving the words isn't demonstrating necessarily the testimony, a life-giving testimony. The words itself can bring life, just like Scripture can bring salvation. The Scripture itself can save, and and it's and we have Scripture to back that. It says in in. Uh, First or Second Timothy 3.14 again. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it, and now, and, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, Scripture is also, what? Intended to, to lead believers into maturity in faith. Now, believers, I want to encourage you. Why do we need the routine of Scripture and reading the Bible? Because we don't want a bunch of 40-year-old babies running around. I mean, picture that. I got saved, and, and, and they strapped a diaper on me, and I stayed in that diaper until God called me home. Scripture really will help you mature in Christ. This is off notes here, but I want to tell you, I, I truly believe that not just us as a church, but I think a church in America today, there's, there's things in, in play and solutions being provided, but I believe that we had entered into a time of uh, a discipleship crisis in churches throughout America today. There was a lot of 40-year-old Christians running around in diapers. That's a visual. Anyhow, that was very distracting for me. I'm coming back. But what I'm saying is this, they got saved, but then necessarily, you know, there was the dying out of Sunday school. You don't hear about Sunday school as often anymore. And so then as Sunday school went away, there wasn't necessarily anything that came in to replace Sunday school. And then, so we ended up with a bunch of baby Christians, old ones at that. And so today what you're saying is, so here at New Testament Church, what's our strategy? Our strategy to help that is this life group. And I'm going to say life groups a lot, because if it's not... Uh, growth tracker life groups, there's really nothing else. They're all a group. It's all relational. It's all coming together to do what? To bridge the gap of discipleship. Today, we're living in the gap. We're living in the gap. We need to shorten the gap of discipleship, which means that we as believers, we have to get in the Word because it's in the Word that we'll learn to grow and mature. How do we grow and mature? Well, by its teaching, he tells us further in that passage in verse 16, all Scripture is breathed out by God, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Yeah, but pastor, it's just so much easier if somebody would just tell me. I don't know about that. Because if someone tried to correct you, sometimes it's not met well. In fact, it creates conflict and division within the body of Christ. But if, if I go into Scripture and I read Scripture and I let Scripture correct me, I open myself up to Scripture for its correction, for its reproof. 
then I will start to grow and not have to deal with the division and unity that potentially could creep into the body of Christ because somebody else is trying to be scripture for me. Do you hear that? Scripture is good for maturing us in faith by its teaching, by its rebuke and correction, and by training in righteousness. Now, Scripture is also good because of illumination. I, I had a talk with Vincent at men's yesterday, at men's breakfast, and he was talking about this very passage of Scripture that was in my notes, and I said, that's my message for tomorrow. And the message is that in verse, uh, in Psalms 119, 105, it tells us that it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Are you trying to make decisions for your life? Do you have decisions to make in life? Are you considering job changes? Are you considering a different school for your children? Or is there something going on in your life that needs to change and you need direction and help in that change in direction? And you're doing it without Scripture or without the Bible in your life. You potentially may not make the right decision and the right choice. And that's a bold statement, but I firmly believe it. If I read Scripture, if you read Scripture and we start to know the heart of God that we can find in Scripture, and we start to not just, as it, and I'll tell you later that Scripture will change you, but as you start to know the heart of God, you will start to make decisions based on the heart of God. Not based on the flesh. How many decisions do you make because you want to feel better? Feeling. Nothing more than feeling. What if it, we didn't make decisions based off feelings? We made it based off his word being a light under our path and a lamp under our feet. By its encouragement, scripture matures us by its encouragement and reassurance. In Romans 5 or Romans 15, 4, we find it there. It says, for whatever was written in former days. It was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scripture, we might have hope. Do you ever have a day where you feel very discouraged? Where do you turn for your hope? You might call a friend and they may encourage you, and that's great, especially if, you're, if they're doing it in Christ. But Scripture can do it too. You can go to Scripture and and Scripture will encourage you to hope again. The routine of reading Scripture will prepare you as you hide the words in your heart. I can tell you that when I used to carry around the Ugla E.K. Bible, there was a lot of Scripture memorization going on because it was a requirement in the school I went to, which happened to be right here in this building. It might have been right there in that overflow. But Scripture memorization caused it to to settle within my heart and soul. It, was, it almost became like a, a, a commercial jingle that you can't get out of your head. Well, that's what Scripture becomes for us when we read it and we read it and we read it over again. It gets hidden in our heart. And when we come across discouraging times or we feel let down, we can grab onto some of those encouraging Scriptures that will bring hope back into our life again. Reading our Bible, knowing Scripture, Yes, it can help us to mature. It encourages us and reassures us, but it also reminds us of God's promises. In Joshua 21:45, not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass 
That's a guarantee that is amazing. It's unheard of. The only guarantee that is ever perfect is the one that comes from above. It's the only promise that you can count on forever and ever and ever without fail. And then he proved it in, in his promises that he made to Israel. They all came to pass, all of them without fail. That's the God, that's the heart of God for us. If he has spoken to you and promised you something, it will come to pass. Last week I talked about Vision Sunday. I've heard uh, rumors and I've heard vision uh, statements from the past that were prophetic, that came from above. They were God words. Prophecy is, is something that was not from man but came from God. And, and these prophetic words was about the harvest being great and and many in this, in this community, community coming to know the Lord right here in this place. That is a promise from God. Now, we may fail in his promise. How does that look? We, we, we lose sight of it being his promise. And we start to focus on our own fleshly eyes and what we actually see. And we forget about what he promised. We, we lose faith. Remember I talked about Faith and hope need to be continuously linked together because if I don't have faith, I cannot have hope. But we have hope, and I'm trying to encourage us in our faith that, yes, he does want to see souls saved. Tell me he doesn't. Tell me God doesn't want to see souls saved because I can't, you won't convince me. Because in Scripture, I'm convinced over and over and over again that he wants to see them saved. What is saved? Saved is being far from God, being reunited with God. And how did that happen? That happened through the cross. That happened through Jesus dying for sins and being raised again three days later, a resurrected life, so we could be saved. If he didn't want that for us, then why would he sent his only son? I'm convinced he wants souls saved. You won't be able to convince me otherwise. Because he loves us so much. So the scripture will encourage you. It'll lift you up. It will mature you. It'll remind you of his trustworthiness. Scripture is essential for spiritual growth and maturity. You will not grow and mature in Christ without scripture. Scripture is from God, not from man. Some of this is going on nowadays. There's concerns that I see throughout the, the uh, Christian religious community that would say that, well, since it was written by man, I don't have to believe all Scripture. Um, and I would tell you that's wrong. Scripture is from God. He used man to write it. I can't save anybody. I can't go and pray with somebody and save them and get them to heaven. I can't do that. Only he can do that. But he can use me to help lead them in the prayer. He can use me to help lead them to truth. I'm not truth. I'm not salvation. But I can be used by God to help people get there. Just the same way God used man to bring instruction and scripture to all of us. Scripture was... Yes, written by a hand of man, but it was given to us by our Father God. Second Peter 1, verse 20 says, Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. 
for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, authority of Scripture. Authority of Scripture is big. The authority of Scripture does the work. As the Holy Spirit works in revelation of Scripture, He also works in us uh, and shows us that the Scripture, as it is planted, the Holy Spirit is what helps reveal Scripture to us as we read it. I was watching a short video the other day, and it was a young man that was going to uh, theological school or seminary. And he was struggling as he's going to seminary with the validity of Scripture. So he sought help from a professor, and the professor says there is, and I'm not going to say it as eloquently as he did, but basically Scripture does not come alive absent the Holy Spirit. Absent the Holy Spirit, Scripture becomes uh, letters written on white pages. But with the Holy Spirit who's amongst us and the power that went before it, the authority of Scripture has life and power. The authority of Scripture is, well, it's real. It's genuine. I, the reason I hesitate is because some people I, I feel struggle with authority and don't like to come under authority. Why? Because of bad authority. This is not bad authority. This is authority that brings life, that encourages. Yes, it may correct, it may rebuke, but why? For life. For the sake of your life. The authority of Scripture in, in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, it says, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what is really, but what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in believers. This is a powerful verse. Let me, and, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received, when you hear the word of God, or you read the word of God, when you receive it, then you must accept it. You must accept the authority of the Word of God. You must go beyond just reading the Word of God. Believers, if you truly want to mature in the Lord, yes, I almost fell again. If you truly want to believe in the, and, and walk in the authority of God, you must go beyond just reading it. You must receive it as soil receives a seed. Here's the awesome thing. It's not receiving it so you can go do works. You're, re you're, you're reading it or you're hearing it, but then you must accept it. I was saying receive it, but you must accept it like soil uh, accepts a seed. You must let it sink in and get in you. You must take that time to meditate and accept the word and say, yes, as I believe, Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, yes, Lord, I also believe that you can change my life. And then the scripture goes on and says, the word of God which is at work in you, believers. It's not you doing the work. It's accepting the word of God and agreeing it in, its, in its authority and believing that and letting it do the work in you. It's an amazing thing. You don't have to do the laboring. If you accept it, it does the laboring for you on your behalf, but you have to receive it. You have to accept it. 
if you read the Bible every year, for year in and year out, and you truly go beyond just the reading, and you, res- and you truly get to the point of accepting it, you cannot remain the same. The authority and the power of Scripture is, is, is greater than that. It's not to be minimized as just a keepsake. It is life-changing. And there's more promises. In Luke 12, it sa- or in Luke 11, it says, um, as, we, as he was speaking, a woman, let me read the first, in verse 27, it says this, as he was speaking, a woman in the crowd called out, God bless your mother, the womb from which you came and the breast that nursed you. And Jesus replied, Blessed rather are those, rather than what? Rather than Mary, the mother of Jesus? He says, blessed more than her are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Does that put things into a different perspective for some? You mean I could be more blessed than the mother of Jesus? That's what he wants for you. He wants you to be that blessed and to walk in that blessing. And it doesn't come from just reading that one verse over and over and over again. It comes from receiving and accepting the entire word of God and letting it work within you so that it produces blessing beyond any understanding that you potentially could have. The Bible is a powerful thing. The Bible is an amazing thing. We want to uh, catapult ourselves or be transformed or not transformed. What's that? Uh, materialize in a future place. What's that called? Transported. We want to be transported into the middle of the harvest. Many of us would love to be transported into the middle of the harvest, but the ready, set, wait is going to involve some routine. And the routine isn't just hard work. In fact, it's kind of not that. Now, hear me. The hardest work in developing the routine is the battle that you must contend for in setting the routine. And this is true in most things that we do. Some of us are good at paying for gym memberships because they take it out automatic every month. I wish it was that easy to get to the gym. It's just not. But I would contend that there was a point in my life that it was easier for me to get there than it was to turn over and grab my Bible while in bed and read it. Why? Because there was more at stake. It's a true spiritual battle. Because the enemy does not want the Word of God to be working in your life. It scares him. He's scared of it. But the Word of God at work in your life will change a community. The word of God at work in your life, it's like reaching up and taking those clouds of oppression and just tearing them down. And they come down 
all across your home, your neighborhood, the community that you live down in. It's, it's tearing down the oppression that's separating us from the heavens above. And what God has for us above is a tremendous reign. The reign of blessing and glory and power and authority and life. Life abundant. But we have to contend for routine because the power of routine will bring life and life abundant. Now as a church, we want to help. We want to support. We want to do it together. Um, There's a... uh, We've done the practical even. We have a... uh, you don't even have to have a keepsake anymore. You can have an electronic Bible. I read my electronic Bible daily. Um, go to our church website. It's up here on the screen. It's, it's www.ntcwoodland.org. We have a man in our church that builds our website for us, and he put this up there for us. It's, and it says on the, on the right-hand side, start reading plan. Just click on it. It'll have you sign up for Version Bible app, and once you get in there, you can just start reading along with, there's like 18 of us now on this reading plan that are reading together. Now, we started the first of the year, and, and you're saying, oh, well, they already started without me. If you're that person, that's contend not to be that person. Go ahead and join us where we're at, and let's do this together. I have an abundance of faith and confidence that we as a church, when we start reading Scripture together and we start contending that we're going to spend time with the Lord and setting routines in Scripture daily, that the windows of heaven will open up. I'm absolutely confident you can't convince me otherwise. In fact, I'm here trying to convince you otherwise. We're not otherwise. I'm trying to convince you that it'll work. Develop a routine. Develop a routine in your life beyond just the physical. Develop a routine in your life that's founded in spiritual. And ask the worship team to come. When I was, uh, and I've always kind of been this way, but when I was in, um, when I was 15, I took my Ugla EK Bible with me and we went to uh, Norway, as I mentioned earlier. There's an organization out there called Teen Missions. Teen Missions takes teenagers from America, from the United States and Canada, and they send them across the, the world to do short-term summer mission trips. And I've shared this many times before. It was life-changing for me. It was a settling of, of, of a sorts for me that, that I have settled within myself that I'm going to be a follower of Christ no matter what. That's what happened. But in that time, they said, we're going to send you out, and you're going to... Uh, evangelize. You're going to talk to the unsaved, and you're going to lead them to Christ. And I thought, wow, well, that's, that's a challenge. There was a day I can remember before then that we would go out and we'd knock on doors around town and invite them to church and try to share the four spiritual laws with them. And, and so we would do some of that evangelistic work. Today, it's a little different because society has changed here in America. You won't find that that's received all that well. Uh, What is received well is I know you and you know me, and I really care about you, and I want to share something with you. It's it's sharing the gospel in the form of relationship. When they know you truly care about them and you want to tell them that there's something greater and they're missing out, they may hear you. 
That's how we evangelize today. You, are our van- you all are evangelists in your own right based on who you know. Now, but back then I was like, well, how do I go out there and how do I actually lead someone to the Lord? And, and so they gave us Scripture. Why? Because Scripture is powerful. Scripture has authority. Now, this, I'm going to give you this as a tool today, but maybe you're here today and you haven't accepted the Lord as your Savior. Maybe you're here today and it felt really good. You, 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 you like the singing. You like the music. The people were friendly. Maybe you feel a little bit on pins and needles because you don't know where this is going next. But what I'm going to tell you is that the Lord loves you. He loves you so much. Everything was at stake. And he laid it down all for you. You can go to the book of Romans, and it's called the Roman Road to Salvation. And you go to Romans chapter 3, verse 23. It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And this is the first step. The first step is to know that you need God. Everybody take a deep breath. So you're part of the all. Because you're still breathing. You all have fallen short of the glory of God, which means you cannot partake in relationship with God because you're short of that. That's what this step one is all about. We all have sinned. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. But step two is this. There's a consequence to sinning and falling short. And it's in Romans 6.23, and it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Lord doesn't say, here's the consequence, deal with that, do, deal with it, without giving you a way out. That's who our God is. So the wages of sin is death. So if you're not saved, if you don't believe Christ, if you haven't accepted him as your Savior, we're still walking in sin, which will lead to death. Now, there's this ultimate death. I'm going to stop breathing in this body one day, and I'm going to go to the hell if I haven't accepted the Lord. There's that death. But sometimes there's also this, this lesser death, and it's this life of death that we walk and live in today. It's the one that has no hope, no joy, no no tomorrow. And, and when, when you start walking in the life, the second half of that says, but he, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That life is one that you don't have to wait for into death. That's a life that you can have today. And then step three, after we know what our need is, that we're far from God and that the penalty of that is sin in step two, the third step is, the third step is know God's provision. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrated his own love. This is scripture. This is Bible. But God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, while we weren't even thinking about him, while we were ignoring him, while he was the furthest thing from our minds, while we were still sinners, Christ on our behalf was working behind the scenes. He was preparing to take care of you when you weren't thinking of him at all. It's like us being children playing outside and and thinking nothing about what's for dinner and mom's in the house cooking. 
because the love is so tremendous. Christ loves you so much that even while you were sinners, Christ died for us. He took care of us at the cross because God wants to be one with you. And he wants you to live a life, an eternal life, an abundant life today and into eternity. Step four is know how to respond. So if you believe that, if you get that, if God's stirring you up and you've not accepted him as your Savior before, there's, there's a fourth step. And that's know how to respond. And in Romans 10, 9, it says, again, in Scripture, in the Bible, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you, now, for us believers, you should start getting a little excited. You should start getting, like, pumped up. I don't know what's going on right now. Nobody tell me. But if the Steelers scored right now, I would be pretty excited. I don't want to know. Right? I'm going to go into this cone of silence right after church. No one's to tell me. But what I'm about ready to read, that game today pales in comparison. Because what he said here is, if you confess, okay, I did that with your mouth, that the Lord Jesus or I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believed in my heart that God has raised him from the dead. Yes, I, I've confessed a lot, and I believe tremendously that that's all true. Yeah, there's been times that I've doubted, but I've contended over my doubt, and I, I still believe. You will be saved. You will be saved. You may have been saved. What does that mean for you? I can't believe you're still sitting. You're saved. We're going to spend eternity with our Father that loves us more than we've ever known or could imagine. Today is nothing in comparison to eternity with Him. He wants that for all of us. He wants it for our entire community. That's why we're going into 21 days of prayer and fasting, because we're contending that they can be saved too. They can believe and they can confess that He is Lord and that He can save them. And they can walk in that salvation and love one another and live with one another in unity. Man, our community is such in need of unity and love. So I'm going to ask you today, if you all stand, and I don't know who's here today that hasn't accepted the Lord as your Savior, but I'm going to tell you, don't leave. Don't leave without taking the opportunity to say, yes, I believe that he died for me, for me, and I'm confessing that he is Lord Jesus. Bow your heads with me if you would, and if that's you, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to count real quick. One, two, three. You're going to shoot your hand up, okay? If you believe that you need to accept the Lord as your personal Savior, and today is the day for that, I want you to raise your hand when I say three. Ready? One, two, three. Is that you today? Do you need to be saved? Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Now, I don't want you thinking about it. Just come up here with me real quick. Come quick. I see you. Come on up. Come on up. Join me. 
I'm going to ask people that would pray. Pastor Doug Sr., if you would come up. Pastor Scott, you guys would join up here. The harvest is real. Amen. I'm going to ask these pastors and, and leaders that are here, if you guys would go with them right over here to the side. They're going to pray with you. Scott and Elaine, if you guys would w- walk over there with them. This is what's happening. God does the work. We're here to steward the work that God wants to do in our community. People, believers, I want you to start thinking about your routine, your routine where you reach up and you grab the oppressive clouds and you tear them down. You you grab the, the chains that are binding our community and you rip them apart. There's believers in our community that won't even attend church. Why? Because they want to be a part of something that's alive. They want to be a part of something that is life-giving. That's what this place is to be. This is what this place is going to be. This is what we are today. God's doing a work. Hallelujah. Dear God, I thank you. I thank you for this. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, we want to be the stewards you need us to be to further your work in this, in this city, your, the extension of your kingdom, Woodland. That's what this is. We're just an extension of your kingdom, Woodland. We're declaring that over the city today. And we thank you in Jesus' name for the work that you're doing. We praise you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing.